G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I didn't know about the award. We didn't know he'd been nominated or anything else. So it was, it came effectively out of the blue. So it was very exciting. Paul has worked so hard and tirelessly. And for any of these awards, it didn't happen overnight. You know, there were bumps in the road. There were very tough spots and, and so on. But one of the things, his passion and drive never waned. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, in 2018, Paul Beaver from Melbourne was one of 15 people awarded the prestigious Goosey Peace Prize in the capital of the Philippines, Manila. The Goosey Peace Prize is Asia's foremost awarding organisation and is considered the Nobel Peace Prize of Asia. Paul received this award for his contribution to scientific research in the groundbreaking field of nutrigenomics. Today, Paul and his wife Lee will share the long journey they went on that led up to receiving this prestigious award. They're chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Paul and Lee, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you with us. And I have to be honest with you, I had never heard of the Goosey Mm. Prize before. What is that? Well, many people haven't heard of it, but it's an award that had its foundation with uh, Captain Germaniano Goosey, who was a, a freedom fighter in World War II. And then after World Up War II... Up in the II, Philippines? In the Philippines, of course. Mm-hmm. And then he um, became a humanitarian and politician whose purpose was to help the oppressed. Now, this legacy was taken over by his son, Ambassador Goosey, who also started the Goosey Peace Prize. And the purpose of the Goosey Peace Prize International is to recognise individuals who have distinguished themselves globally in their field of expertise, as well as being examples to society in contributing towards the attainment of peace and respect for human life and dignity. So I was only one of uh, 15 out of 120 nominated for the 2018 Peace Prize. So it was a great privilege to be one of the 15. And only the fourth person to win it from Australia. Australia in 18 years since its inception. So that was another privilege and honor. Yeah, that's wonderful. And Lee, what did you think when your husband told you he's won this award? I didn't know too much about it. Um, he was uh, overseas. I was in Melbourne at the time. And uh, I wanted to sound impressed, but I didn't know what I should have been impressed about because I didn't know much about it. So because you the, didn't know about the award? I didn't, I didn't know about the award. We didn't know he'd been nominated or anything else. So it, was, it came effectively out of the blue. Mm-hmm. So in you know subsequent days and week, it unfolded. So... Uh, it was very exciting. Okay. Well, I should say, when you did learn what it was, then how did you feel? Extremely proud. Extremely proud. Um, Paul has worked so hard and tirelessly, and for any of these awards, it didn't happen overnight. You know, there were bumps in the road. There were very tough spots and, and so on. But one of the things, his passion and drive never waned. And so for me, that is part of what this was honoring. Okay. Now, in a little bit, we will unpack just what nutrigenomics is and 
your field of research. But first, we want to just kind of find out what it was like going up to the Philippines to win this and receive this prestigious award. Um, on the uh, Tuesday morning, um, we were up before dawn and uh, the bus took us to um, the Rizal uh, Memorial. And uh, so we were there at sunrise and it was facing east. So you've got the, the sun sort of coming up. Part of the military was set up on the left-hand side and they gave a 21-gun salute. Wow. There was a band um, set up on the, the right-hand side and they were playing and uh, there was two or three lines of the delegates came forward carrying their flags, uh, their, their own country's flags, and then laying a wreath at the base of the, the monument. And it was really quite moving. So we were you know, very privileged to be able to do that. So it was just such a still, beautiful morning and uh, the ceremony and the the reverence Mm. that was accorded was Mm. uh, quite amazing. Wow. So even though the Gucci Award is not as commonly known here in Australia, it obviously is a big deal up in the Philippines and uh, it's also known as the Nobel Peace Prize of Asia. Mm. And that's that's not anybody saying that. That's no, uh, Michael, no, Doctor Michael Nobel. And the other thing is that the recipients' profiles are sent to the United Nations, so it is oh, okay. recognised around the world. We had someone there from Voice of America who deals with the White House. So, yes, it is a very big international, but it's sort of undercover in a way. Mm. Just because you don't see it on social media and Facebook doesn't devalue the importance and the high regard it's held by prestigious organisations. And it's recognised by all the other organisations around the world that confer honour to world global leaders. So, you were there. Mm. You were one of 15 recipients. Mm. And your field of research, as we said, Mm. is nutrigenomics, Mm -hmm. which I know nothing about. Mm. But this didn't all just happen overnight. Let's kind of go back Mm. to where it all started and find out your backgrounds and what led up to winning this award. Mm. So, Lee, should we start with you? What is your background growing up and your faith? So, uh, I grew up in Melbourne. Um, I went to the local Presbyterian church, and I remember the very first time I went, they sang, Jesus Loves Me, and I just felt it. And uh, I sing it to our grandchildren now. Um, And uh, I attended that church till I was in my teens, and then... um, I think the pressures, the peer pressures, life, busyness of sports and so on. Um, I stopped going to church at that point in time. I wasn't, um, I wouldn't describe myself as a religious person, perhaps agnostic at that point in time. And uh, I met Paul at university. I was studying physiology, psychology and really enjoying that. And then um, Paul was uh, finishing his PhD. I was uh, started teaching and then um, he was offered a position in Norway and he went to Norway. He told me he loved me, but he then went to Sundal Thura, which is, if you look at the 
uh, map of the world. There is no further place from Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he told you he loved you, and he went to the furthest place away from you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And that that was before, you know, um, Snapchat and FaceTime, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and this emails was emails and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you know coins in a public phone box and and so on. Anyway, um, our relationship survived that. He came home. Uh, we got married, and then we both went back to Norway. Um, the economy in Norway was taking a bit of a turn, a downward turn. Paul, we, as much as we loved the the lifestyle and and what have you there, we loved Australia more, um, and so much appreciated what we have in Australia. So mm. we made a decision that we're coming back to Australia, and and that's where we had family, and okay. that's something really important. We're gonna. Have you pick up the story from there? But first, let's find out Paul's side of the story. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in Melbourne and um, growing up, uh, lovely family. Um, they sent me to church. I went to a, a Church of England and uh, was I sort of saw religion and never really understood faith. But when I was four, um, I basically nearly drowned and I was that far oh. gone. I went down the dark tunnel to the bright light. And wow! So when, you were like for, I was I was almost gone. dead. Yeah. Well, when I came to the lifesavers were giving me uh, mouth to mouth and pumping my heart to get my heart going again. But you actually saw the a bright light. light. I went down wow. the dark tunnel to a bright light, mm-hmm. and uh, so I knew there was something there. But just because I couldn't explain it, but I just found that at that time at the church I wasn't getting an answer to that, and then. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I also then uh, went through a rather serious car accident on the highway. Some person that wasn't registered, a licensed drunk, just hit hit me head on. So I survived about a 260 kilometre per hour head on crash. And Wow. How old were you? I was about 24 at that stage. And mm. they said I was meant to be dead. And they also survived an electrocution. So I sort of knew there must wow. have been some reason. Just the fact that you're here is quite a miracle. And I, that's what I found was a miracle. So I had been looking for the answer, but I really hadn't found it at that stage in like traditional religion. And um, You knew there was something more. I, there was something more, but mm. I just couldn't find it. And I went mm. to university, and university's not the place that is very pro-Christianity. There's everything yeah, else out really there. it's not really known for that. No, it's not for that. So we were looking, and then I met Lee, and we got married. And so we were sort of looking, and... Um, I just that was the scientist in me. I just wanted to know, yeah, is there a God or not a God? Mm. And we started on the journey and a very good friend that we respected, we said, So why are you a Christian? And he gave me one of the best answers I heard. He said, It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in a God. And I thought, well that makes sense. So mm. I then started looking at it from a scientific point of view, trying to scientifically justify is there a God? And as a scientist and a researcher, the more I started delving into, into the science, the more I realised that we're not an accident. You know, there has to be creation. There is order. Otherwise, yeah, to believe that all of this came about by chance takes more faith than absolutely. to believe that a and, creator made it all. And, and at that stage, I was an engineer. And the second law of thermodynamics is that everything left to its own accords will go from a state of order to disorder. Nothing so can go, go the other way. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> can go the other way. And so... To be, believe in evolution is contrary to everything that engineering is based on. Mm. So I was in that perplexity. Well, if there's a God, where is he? Who is he? And that's where I was at the time when Lee and I met. And then having children, being at the birth of our first our son and our daughter, that's not an accident. That didn't mm. happen by random chance. So we, we were looking. We were ready. Mm. Well, let's go back to you, Lee. Tell us about the moment that faith became real to you. Our six-month-old daughter woke up and was struggling to breathe 
and I rang the local uh, doctor and um, and took her down and I, I was just concerned she just wasn't going to take another, just keep breathing. She was just mm. going to get tired and, and stop breathing. And so they rang the paediatric registrar at um, Monash. Um, they asked me to drive her there. And so I know the road I was driving on, I started to pray, but I can't believe how my prayer was, if there's a God there, will you please look after and save our daughter and I'll, I'll promise to look into you to see if you actually, if there's something there. I, I can't believe how my attitude to God and so on was, but... You know, he took me hmm. at where I was at the time. Yeah. So it's just a little tiny step toward him. It was, for me, it was a huge step. It hmm. was like that pride of I can do all things hmm. to, um, there was, it was a breakdown of self, hmm. you know, at that point. Um, to look, look, she was hospitalized for three days. They told us she would, um, have asthma and, and so on. She didn't, um, from there on. And I read, I searched. So you I, did look into him. You, I you certainly did. Kept to your promise. I, I absolutely did. But you know there's something going on when a hairdresser turns around and witnesses to you. And, you know, just different people that came mm-hmm. out of the blue that sort of like witnessed to me. It was really odd. And then August um, 1988, I wholeheartedly gave my heart to the Lord. And I turned around and, and Paul was beside me. And he had made the decision the same day. So oh, is that right? It was – we hadn't talked about it because I believe it's an individual mm. thing. And but obviously God was working inside of you at the same time mm. he was working inside of you, Paul. Yep. What was going on for you at that point? Well, I'd been coming at understanding God from a scientific point of view. I looked at the possibility of evolution versus creation. and mm. And the more I looked into it scientifically, it just made – just the numbers didn't stack up for evolution. Mm. And then I had uh, some different people came up to me and said, Paul, God said to tell you this. And I'm going, okay. And to get the same message from people that didn't even know each other in different states of Australia, mm. come and give me the same message. And so I went into the probability and statistics. This is not possible. <laughs> the scientific possible. mind of yours. Your, your wife didn't react no, the same way. But no, I, I, I came did. from scientific. And then I started seeing things and – uh, we prayed for people mm. and cause and effect. We prayed mm. for people and saw an effect. And I thought there's no other answer for that than there is a God. And I also learned about – I'd known about God the Father, God the Son, but never really knew anything about the Holy Spirit, mm. about being – even though having read it, never really understood it until I actually felt the power of the Holy Spirit and that he's real as anything else. Just because we can't see it mm. doesn't mean he's not real. Like we can't see gravity, but we all know – the impact of gravity, mm. and we respect it. And so it was a combination of these different people telling me the same message that they didn't know each other, actually experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, and my scientific mind finally coming to the stage and saying, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does creation. So that's where I came at, and it was mm. just ironic. It was on the same day that... Yeah, isn't that interesting? God was working in both of your lives, individually, mm. in very different ways. Mm but yet at the same time. Mm. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Paul and Lee Beaver in our Melbourne studios. 
Paul was one of 15 people who were awarded the prestigious Goosey Peace Prize in 2018 by Asia's foremost awarding organisation. We'll hear more about the story behind winning this award when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guests today are Paul and Lee Beaver. Paul was one of 15 people who were awarded the prestigious Goosey Peace Prize in 2018 in the capital of the Philippines, Manila. Before the break, we heard how in 1988 Paul and Lee simultaneously put their faith in the Lord. Next, Paul will share how years before this, other events took place in his life that also had a huge impact on him. Yes, well, it was actually 1978 when I was uh, studying my PhD in engineering and our family doctor dropped a bombshell to state that our father at 52 had cancer and would be dead in three months. Wow. So that was a shock, especially as my grandfather lived to 84 and my great-grandfather lived even longer. And it was a very tough time because Dad didn't want to die in a hospital. He wanted to die at home. Mm. So I stopped my PhD so we could nurse him. And he lived 18 months before he actually passed away. But during that time, there was no drug. There's no combination of heroin, cocaine or morphine that would kill the pain. So Mm. the family, we sat and watched him for 18 months in agony. And then I was with him when he finally passed away. So as you could appreciate, it was a very traumatic time. And then eight years later, Lee gave birth to our daughter. So I cuddled Lee, cuddled our daughter. And I literally got five minutes out of the delivery room when our family doctor dropped bombshell number two. He said, go to this other hospital 15 minutes away. Your mother has a cancerous growth the size of a rock melon. She'll be dead in three months. Now, I went from life to death in less than half an hour. But that was the defining point for me, whereas I found my purpose in life and the calling God had on my life. Because it made me realize we're very good at keeping people alive. But we can't keep them healthy. You're talking about the medical community. The medical community. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it also made me realize that uh, it was uh, testing my faith because my God didn't create me to get sick and die early. Because the philosophy at the time was genetically, if you had those genes, that you would have to die like your parents and very deterministic. Whereas I just didn't believe that. I, and so it started. What was the to- phrase that kind of described it? Your genes are your destiny. Now, that may be true for 1% or 2% of the genes around diseases such as hemochromatosis and a couple of these complex diseases, but I just didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. And so that started me on the journey to find out why. How could we improve people's health expectancy and live in the abundance that God has created us to? And what is your field of research? My field of research originally was engineering, and then I I used the same skills I learned to research to look at why are we getting sick at such an early age? So I started looking and talking to doctors, nutritionists, naturopaths, trying to find out what is the answer? Why is the reason that we have these global health crises with chronic diseases such as heart disease, obesity, diabetes, and so forth? So that started a, a journey over 30 years. So it started off very personal. Absolutely. It was absolutely because... Because you I, want to live. <laughs> I want to live. I, I didn't want to become a statistic like yeah. everyone said I would. And it's a bit like a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. People say you're going to die early 
And if you get told that enough, you start to believe mm. that. Well, that was contrary to the faith that the journey where I was at just prior. This was a year before we became spirit-filled Christians. Mm. And so it was a really interesting journey and to look at this and to work with it. And uh, mm. so that started that journey, as I said, 30 years later. And here we are getting the Goosey Peace Prize in 2018. Okay, so you could have just decided to be passive and say, hey, mm. genetics are destiny. Mm. I have a strong chance of dying early, mm. but you decided, no, I'm not going to be passive. I just refused to believe that. I, I, after With the journey, I just believed there was God that wanted to have life and life in abundance. And so That's the journey was to find us out, in the Bible. Absolutely. And so what are we doing wrong? And it's like if uh, he said we'll have an abundance with money. Well, if I spend more than I earn, I'm not going to have an abundance. And so yep. what is it that we're doing that is creating this impact on our health, adverse. And so that started the journey in 1987, and it was in 2006 I learned about genetic profiling because it seemed to be that the genes that God created us with, and your genes are like your hardware. It's like the computer, and it's like God didn't create me to get sick and die early. Why would he give me genes that would put me at risk of cancer? Mm. So what are we doing wrong? And then I found out that the genes interact with the nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle choices, which is a bit like the software. And so, obviously, we're not eating, we're not living, we're stressed, and all these things are having an impact on the genes, which is our choice. It's mm. the environment we live in. And so, in 2006, I learned about this genetic profiling from a Christian businessman, a good friend and mentor that had been encouraging us and working forward. And then I learned about the science of nutrigenomics. So I couldn't change the genes that I was born with, and you know, God love our parents, but I could change the signals that were being sent out by the type of food I ate, the nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle choices. So that was the in April 2006, I learned that my genes are not my destiny. Mm. And again, I'm not talking about the one or two, the very single rare diseases. I'm talking about majority of genes that control how our body functions. And that was liberating in two, April 2006 to find out that my genes are not my destiny. And then I wanted to then impart that. So Lee and I then had the vision and the purpose to get this message out to all the other people globally. And we want to do this through practitioners. We want to be a message of hope, not the, the fear, doom and gloom that mm. I'd live with after mum and dad got cancer. And so that was a very important part of the journey in 2006 to learn about this new science. And there's no medications, drugs. It's all use what God created. So the answers, God has all the answers for us. We just haven't seen them. Look so would you say this kind of became your purpose in life? It was my passion and purpose. And so over the last, uh, since then, we've trained probably a thousand medical practitioners, specialists such as cardiologists, uh, gynecologists, allied health professionals in how to use the power of this new science called nutrigenomics to improve the health and well-being of their patients. Mm. And God gave us all the answers. And Faith doesn't mean you disregard science. To me, science reinforces my faith because mm -hmm. I see that creation is in what we do in this science called nutrigenomics. Mm. Okay, so you won the award, mm. the Goosey Peace Prize, for your research in the field of nutrigenomics. Mm. And so next, we want you to unpack just what that is and please put it in words that even I can understand <laughs> Well, as a non-scientist. What I like to explain is our genes are like the hardware of a computer. Mm -hmm. They're fixed. We can't change that. And hardware sends out signals. And the signals that get sent out, the programming is determined by 
what we eat, like how much, say, starch and carbohydrate we have in our diet, how much coffee we drink, uh, how we exercise, whether it be doing aerobic or resistance work, uh, are we stressed? And the one that I love most of all is that having faith changes the signal that our genes send out. Really? Which is unbelievable. They've scientifically proven? Scientifically this? proven. They even looked at different denominations as to the power of the prayer. And so there's scientific proof to show that having faith changes the signals that our genes send out, which control our health and well-being. Really? So, so what would be a practical example of this? Well, having faith changes the inflammation. If we, uh, say, hurt our ankle or mm-hmm. um, we it gets inflamed, and normally it just stays for one or two days and then it goes away. But in our environment today, we have this systemic low-grade inflammation uh, just hanging on for a long time. That's why we get arthritis. We get heart disease. And what they've found is that having faith can change the genes which control the inflammation, the amount of inflammation that's created. So there's scientific papers around that. And I just find as a scientist and as a Christian, absolutely fascinating. I love science validating what is in our faith. Yeah, so now let's get back to nutrigenomics. Yep. So if I understand correctly, mm-hmm. and I'm barely understanding this, <laughs> every single person has their own unique genetic makeup. Absolutely, yes. And a lot of that is just fixed. It just is. That's mm. the hardware you yep. said. Yep. However, there are certain aspects that can be adjusted. Absolutely, yep. And so if you know how to change your lifestyle and mm. your diet and absolutely exercise based on your profile based on your unique, unique profile prof- your unique genetic profile yeah. you can be the healthiest version of you possible absolutely we have a saying we help people maximize their potential for healthy living and healthy aging and i think a good analogy is your genes are like a dimmer switch a light switch mm-hmm. you can dial it up or dial it down depending on the food you're putting in your mouth right now how you're exercising level of stress sleep medication and so forth. So once you know someone's unique genetic profile, you can then, based on the latest scientific research, decide what is the best nutrition, exercise and lifestyle. And so when we know someone's profile, we can then optimize what they should be eating. Lee has a great example. She said that God's giving us a playing field in life for our spiritual health. It's called the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like a soccer field or a football field. The, the boundaries are defined by the Bible. God has also given us uh, the boundaries of a playing field for healthy living, healthy aging. It's called our genetic profile. It's the genes that he created us to be. And each one of us is a unique being. Now, by knowing the genetic profile, I know what I need to eat, how I should exercise to stay in the playing field of life. Whereas, for example, if I smoke, I'm outside the playing field and my risk of cancer goes through the roof. Now, with that vital bit of information, I don't need to smoke. I'm not saying you should anyway, but I'm more susceptible than the average person. So I've got this whole playing field to play in, but no one gave mum and dad, no one, it just wasn't available then, to give the boundaries, what I should eat, how I should exercise. And they're not onerous. They're, they're very simple, but no one would have, was able to give it. I have that information now to be able to make the best choices for me rather than, say, for you or Lee. So I can maximise my potential for healthy living. And that's what I love about it. This is personalised, preventative, proactive health care based on how God created me. Wow. It's been a long journey, but in one sense, it's just the beginning. Absolutely. I firmly believe that. Thank you so much, Paul and Lee, for sharing your story with us. Thank Thank you you for having us. It's been a pleasure. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Paul and Lee Beaver from Melbourne. As we heard in 2018, Paul was one of 15 people awarded the prestigious 
Goosey Peace Prize in the capital of the Philippines, Manila. Paul received this award for his contribution to scientific research in the groundbreaking field of nutrigenomics. Nutrigenomics is the scientific study of the relationship between the human genome, nutrition and health. If you're interested to learn more about this topic or would like to make contact with Paul and Lee, they recommend that you contact us here at The Story and then we can forward your message to them. So the easiest way to send us a message is through our website, vision.org.au. Just click on the contact tab at vision.org.au. Well, thanks for joining us for Paul and Lee Beaver's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We both sort of said, well, you know, just don't do that sort of thing. And he said, sorry, Mum. And as soon as he said that and he was gone, I had the most incredible sensation of grief and sorrow and I was trembling I was saying, Lord, what have I done? And I just knew that God was having very serious dealings with me. Lorraine Pimenta from Perth has made a huge impact on the life of a young man named David from Iran. It almost didn't turn out that way. As a matter of fact, when they first met, Lorraine was pretty annoyed with David, but they went on to form a wonderful friendship, which ultimately led to David putting his faith in the Lord. And we'll hear how it all happened next time. The story. the story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.